Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The epistle lesson for today is from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. This can be found on page 1122 of your Pew Bible. When we follow Jesus and embrace what the Spirit of Christ is doing within us, we are freed from the limitations of our mortal flesh to share in the joys and sufferings of our Lord. A reading from Romans chapter 8, beginning with the 12th verse. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. When I meet people for the first time and I tell them my role at the church is the director of spiritual formation, I often get asked, what is that? So for those of you who aren't familiar, spiritual formation is the lifelong transformation of the whole person into the image of Christ in the context of deep relationship with God. So my job is to help you go deeper with God. And one of the ways I do that is by using spiritual exercises. And the goal of these exercises is to help people experience the God of the Bible in a personal way, so that the God that they know in their heads can move down to the heart. So with that in mind, I'm going to lead us through a very simple spiritual exercise this morning, and we're going to use a little bit of our imaginations for this, okay? Are you ready? All right. So close your eyes. And just take a deep breath and exhale. Now imagine a father. What does he look like? Notice his face, his features. Notice his posture.
How is he looking at you? Okay, you can open your eyes now. Now, how many of you were able to see a father when we did that spiritual exercise by a raised show of hands? Okay, a good number of you. Now, just out of curiosity, how many of you saw your earthly fathers when we did that exercise? Okay. And how many of you saw your heavenly father? Okay, quite a number of you. Thank you for your feedback. So the reason why I wanted us to begin with this spiritual exercise is because today's text is all about knowing God as Father. And depending on what kind of father image you had when we did that exercise, whether it was positive or negative, the promise of Scripture is that we can belong to a family where the Father is perfect. He not only loves us, but He wants to adopt us as His own. And that's what we're going to see, the roles of the Holy Spirit, in today's text in Romans 8. Over the last few weeks, we've been studying the book of Acts, really looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the early church. But today, we're jumping to the book of Romans to look at a very unique function of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And it's to reveal the Father and to testify that we are children of God. So let's take a look at our scripture this morning. You can open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 starting with verse 12. This is page 1122 of the Pew Bibles, if you want to use that. Um, Otherwise, you can follow along on the screen. Once again, that's Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, let's just stop right there for a moment. What is Paul talking about here in this text? Essentially, he's saying that there's two ways of living, and it will lead to two very different outcomes. One will lead to death, which can be physical or spiritual, while the other leads to life. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that means that the Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of you. However, You still have to make a choice every day whether to listen to the Holy Spirit or listen to yourself. So to live in the flesh simply means to live a life centered on self. It's when we are driven by our egos instead of being led by the Holy Spirit. Being in the flesh goes beyond the obvious sin patterns like greed, and lust, but it's when we look to ourselves to meet our own needs and wants instead of going to God. Now, here's where it gets interesting. It's in the next verse in Romans 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That kind of sounds like an identity statement, doesn't it? For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Just a quick FYI, even though it says sons of God in the text, women are also included. Paul wasn't intentionally trying to exclude women, but he was living in a patriarchal society when he wrote this. So his letters often reflected that. So ladies, 
Don't be offended whenever you read sons of God in the Bible, okay? Hey, if men have to picture themselves as the bride of Christ, we can handle being called sons of God. Trust me, the last thing I want to do is imagine Pastor Nathan or Dave as blushing brides. Okay, back to the Word of God. So what Paul is saying here is that when we are being led by the Holy Spirit, we're acting like our true selves as sons and daughters of God. But when we are in our flesh, we're not. Imagine a police officer robbing a bank or a fitness coach sitting in McDonald's eating like 100 Big Macs. Seeing them do the very opposite thing of who they are would leave us scratching our heads, wouldn't it? Well, the same can be said about Christians when we live according to the flesh. It's no longer who we are in Christ. And if we ever forget that, the Holy Spirit will remind us and try to bring us back to him. But we do have a choice, either to listen to the Spirit or listen to ourselves. And if we listen to ourselves, it can lead to some negative consequences. Paul goes on to say in verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now think with me for a moment the difference between being a slave and being a son. Back at that time, slaves didn't have any rights, whereas sons had rights and privileges. Slaves needed permission to approach their master, whereas sons had direct access to the father. Slaves didn't have an inheritance, whereas sons did. Slaves often feared their master, whereas sons loved their father. There is a difference between how slaves relate to their master and how sons relate to their father. And our God, he is the master of this universe. Everything in heaven and on earth belongs to him. And at the same time, he is also our father. And not just any father, but we get to call him Abba Father, which in Aramaic is Daddy or Papa. Abba is a term of endearment and affection that a loving child calls their father. Did you know that you get to call the creator of this universe dad or daddy? For some of us, calling God dad or Abba might feel a little uncomfortable or hard because of what we've experienced with our earthly fathers growing up. You might have had a hard father, an angry father, a critical father, an abusive father, a distant father, or perhaps no father figure at all. Maybe you never got to know your dad growing up. Or maybe he passed away when you were young. Any of these factors can influence the way we relate to God the Father. On the other hand, you could have had a great father 
who loved you, was there for you, who taught you important lessons. But even the very best kind of father is still far from perfect and nothing like our heavenly father. Regardless of what our experiences have been like with our earthly fathers, the truth of the matter is that because of sin, all of us were once separated from God the Father. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus, not only are we reconciled to the Father, but we are now adopted into his family and have been given a new identity, a new status, and a new inheritance. By any chance, is there anyone here that has gone through adoption, you've been exposed to it, or know someone who has? Okay, a few of you here. So for those of you that are familiar with the adoption process, it might be a little bit easier to understand this concept of spiritual adoption. But even for those of us who've never gone through adoption, we know that if it's done right, adoption can be powerful and life-changing, both for the adoptee and the adoptive parents. And it certainly was that case when Paul wrote this letter. You see, he was using the Roman system of adoption to paint the picture of our spiritual adoption as God's sons and daughters. And the way that the Roman adoption worked back at the time was that it was often the wealthy and the elite mostly politicians like senators and emperors who didn't have a son of their own that would adopt a male child, some even in their late teens, 20s, and 30s, in order to secure a male heir. Because if they didn't have an heir, there would be no one to carry on their name, their legacy, and their estate. So the way that this would play out is that the adoptive parents would go to the family of the child that they want to adopt, and they would pay a price to adopt him. So it wasn't just orphans who were getting adopted, it was children that actually had families that also got adopted. And if the biological parents accepted the offer, both families would then go to court, and they would bring out the legal documents of the child, his name, where he was born, if he had any debts, and the old documents tied to his former identity would be destroyed, including any debts that he owed. This child would then be given a new document with his new adoptive name that would guarantee his rights and privileges as a son and legal heir of his new family's estate. And during this time, there would be witnesses present so that if there was ever a dispute between the two families, they could go back to court, and the witnesses would testify that the child was indeed adopted and now belonged to his new adoptive family. In a similar way, we all came with baggage living in this world and had a debt of sin we could not pay. And since we couldn't pay for it, God sent his own son to pay for our debt on the cross. It is through Jesus' death and resurrection that all those legal documents, those things from our past that were once tied to our former identity, is now destroyed. It's gone. We have been set free 
from every debt and bondage to sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. And not only were our debts forgiven, but we were also adopted. And we've been given a new identity as God's children. We've been given a new status as forgiven, holy, righteous, seated with Christ in heavenly places. And we've been given a new inheritance as God's heirs. And if there was ever a time when questions or doubts would arise about this new reality, it's the Holy Spirit who speaks to our innermost being and says, yes, it's true. You are indeed God's beloved child. Verses 16 to 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So far, being adopted by God sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? I mean, our debt is canceled. We have a brand new identity, status, inheritance. But wait a minute. There seems to be a little disclaimer here at the end of verse 17. Okay, what does it say? It says that we are heirs of God and the fellow heirs of Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Oh, suffering. For, almost forgot about that part. You know, it's so easy to often forget that there is an actual cost to following Jesus. But the truth is, if we really begin to live as adopted sons and daughters, we're not meant to enjoy the benefits of adoption just for ourselves. But we're called to be heirs of our father's estate and bring in more sons and daughters. You see, the gospel is simply a story about a father who sent his one and only son to adopt other sons and daughters into his family. And if we carry on his mission as co-heirs with Christ, then everything that Jesus experienced on earth, both good and bad, we will also face. So if Jesus was persecuted for his faith, it shouldn't surprise us when we get persecuted for ours. To be an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ means that we get to carry on our Father's name, his legacy, and his estate, his kingdom. And the will of the Father, just like any good earthly father, is not for us to remain as children, but to grow up and become mature sons and daughters that can function as co-heirs. Listen, there are things in heaven that the Father wants to reveal to us and entrust us with, but it only comes with maturity. It's time to grow up, put away childish things, and live as mature sons and daughters who can carry out our Father's mission. Recently, 
One of my spiritual mentors and seminary professor, Martin Sanders, passed away and went home to be with the Lord. I've never met anyone quite like Martin. His presence could fill any room, and his words carried such weight and authority. Martin was a man who was deeply secure in his identity in Christ. He had tremendous wisdom and spiritual insight and could look directly into a person's soul. I was always amazed by how he could know God so deeply and love people where they are. And so I asked him one day, how did you become this kind of person? And he shared that when he was 15 years old, his dad died. And he quickly became the man of the house taking over the family farm. It was during that time that God began to father him in the absence of his earthly father. Over time, the Lord healed his heart and eventually called him to do the same for others. Being fathered by God is where he learned how to be a man and how to be a dad for his own children. And then for the many spiritual children that would come his way. I was one of those spiritual children that Martin adopted. When I first came to seminary, I was deeply hurting, struggled with fear and low self-esteem. Martin noticed me, took me under his wing, and start, started to mentor me. He saw and affirmed the call of God in my life long before I could even see it. He prayed for me, encouraged me, and he spoke into me in ways that built up my soul. He opened doors for me in ministry that were rare for women. But he was also quite direct. He didn't beat around the bush, but he would tell it like it is, which was often hard. And he would ask those tough questions that really challenged me to grow. And at the same time, he was also gentle and kind when all I needed was a safe place to cry, which was often in his arms. If it wasn't for his fathering, I probably would not be where I am today doing what I am doing now. And I am forever grateful for how God used him to pour into my life and into the lives of countless others. I can imagine him in heaven right now, along with a great cloud of witnesses, cheering us on, saying, it's time. Pass on what you have received. Inside every human soul, there is a deep longing to be known and loved by our Father. And regardless of how you started out in life, there is a perfect Father in heaven who loves you who wants you and calls you his own. 
He alone can fill that void in your soul. And he alone can calm all your fears as you surrender to his love. So let this be the day that you call out to Abba. Let him father you and love on you so that you can fully embrace who he's called you to be. Beloved, accepted, forgiven, whole, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.